Take your Bibles with me this evening, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 1. I debated preaching a little bit on heaven tonight, but we talked this morning pretty clearly, I think, about the way to get to heaven and the need for heaven. And I don't know about you, but I kind of like some things right now. I don't like to have to wait on them. And the Bible has lots of good things for us right now. And so Ephesians chapter number 1 is where we will be tonight. Ephesians chapter 1, picking up in verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Keep in mind, Ephesus was a major trade center uh, at that time in the world. You probably heard of Diana of the Ephesians, uh, the goddess Diana. Paul was there in the book of Acts in, in Ephesus, and there was a great uprising made because people were getting converted, and people were lo- and some of the craftsmen were losing their means of being able to produce a living because they made all kinds of different artifacts and idols and things uh, related to Diana. But uh, it was also a very, very rich city. Uh, Things were deposited, just much like people could take, uh, when the temple was built in Jerusalem, people could take some of their treasures and put them in the temple uh, because they knew no one would mess with the temple and almost act at at some point like like a bank for treasures. Well, that happened often at the Temple of Diana uh, there in Ephesus. And so we're going to get in in just a moment into some treasures in Christ. But keep in mind that as Paul is writing this, uh, this uh, chapter to the people there, this letter to the people there, they are from a very affluent society. There is money everywhere because there are always visitors coming in uh, to worship Diana. And so the economy of the city is based on the worship of Diana of the Ephesians. And so... They're, they're, everybody just is rolling in money. And so they think in high society terms. And so as he gets into this, Paul is appealing to them and saying, you know what? You've got earthly treasures. Let me tell you about some of the treasures that you have in Christ Jesus. So we'll pick back up in verse number two. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice that all of our blessings are in heavenly places, but catch those last two words of verse number three. They are in Christ. The position is, if we are in Christ, we have those. If we are outside of Christ, we do not have those blessings. Verse four, four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. It says there in verse number four, chosen us in him. We use the term election for that. Don't let that scare you. We'll talk about it in just a moment. And then in verse number five, we've got that other scary word for, for Christians, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself." That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And again, we've got that in Christ Jesus. 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Tonight I'd like you to look with me at some treasures or the treasure chest of God's blessings. Dr. Warren Wearsby told the story of a woman named Hetty Green. She died back in uh, 1916, but Hetty Green was dubbed in the newspapers after her death, America's greatest miser. Uh, When she died in 1916, as I mentioned, she left an estate valued at over $100 million. She ate cold oatmeal because it cost too much money to heat it. Her son had to suffer a leg amputation because she delayed so long in looking for a free clinic that his case became incurable. She was wealthy, yet she chose to live like a pauper. She was so foolish that she hastened her own death because a newspaper reporter came in to ask her about her miserly ways. And one of the ways that she saved money was by drinking skim milk instead of whole milk. And while she was having that discussion with them about saving those few pennies by drinking uh, skim milk, she got so agitated because he kept saying, it's not that big a deal, it's not that big a deal, that she had a stroke and died right there during uh, during that newspaper interview. The life of that woman illustrates the attitude that I'm afraid too many of us as Christians entertain today. We have the treasures of our Heavenly Father at our disposal. And yet we live a life mired in the pauper status that is all that this world can give to us. Let's open a word of prayer and then we'll run back and I'll go quickly through these points tonight. Father, I'm so grateful that on a Sunday evening, these thy people have come back to worship you. Father, I'm grateful that I have the Word of God before me. I don't have to make up a story. I don't have to make up a lesson. I can pull from the very God-breathed pages of the Word of God what you want us to hear tonight. And tonight it's a message of encouragement, of all that you have in store for us. Not that we have to wait for, but if we've accepted Jesus as our personal Savior, we are in Christ. We have this now. And we can live every day as children of the King of Kings, children of the Lord of Lords, joint heirs with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask that you would encourage these thy people tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you go back with me to verse number three, I want to encourage you. If you are a Christian, you are not a pauper. Can I tell you that our society tries to make us those who hold to the things of Christ, they try to make it like we are old-fashioned, like we don't have any imagination, like we are held back by so much, that so many opportunities that we are missing. But that's not the, way, the life of a Christian. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, a teenager, all I could think of was all the different rules that I had to lay. I had to go to church. I had to do this. You know, I couldn't do this. I, and my parents would explain to me over and over again the joys that it could be to be a Christian, all, all depended on my attitude. 
And while our young people have to make their own decision on how they're going to live their life and whether their devotion to God is going to be genuine or just following through with the motions they have to, each of us as adults does the same thing every day. We choose whether or not we are going to live in the riches of God's blessings or if we are going to be held back by the desires that our flesh tries to put as those which are much more important than the spiritual blessings our God wants to offer to us. I'd like you to see in verse number one, the Bible tells us there that, uh, I'm sorry, verse number three, that we who, that God, our Father and the, Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then we're going to start a list with those. Verse number four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Can I tell you that if you stand here tonight, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, I think it's verse number 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Every Wednesday night, we have game time back in the gym with the kids. Adults, aren't you glad that we don't have to line up against a wall and get picked for a team anymore based on our ability or lack of ability? <laughs> You remember those days where you got picked and no, you didn't want to be the last one. You know, you had to have every, every argument why that person was, was not as good as you. But here we have, as a Christian, based on what the choice that you would make, God elect you before the foundation of the world. And as uh, has been said in past years, if you're standing or sitting here tonight and you're not, not elect, Get on your knees, ask Christ into your heart, and get elected, all right? Because that's exactly what the Bible says when you put together this passage and you go back to 1 Peter. This election is not God choosing and saying, I'm going to save these people and I'm not going to save this people. It's our God being so great that his will is not messed up by the choices that you and I make. He's so far above our decisions that he is able to, through his foreknowledge, he's able to elect us because he knows the choices that we are going to make. He's such a great God that if you choose to reject him and you spend an eternity in hell, it will break his heart, but it was 100% your choice because he freely offers salvation to anyone who wants to believe. And so the first of these treasures is that you are chosen. You don't have to walk around thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm just a second-class citizen. No, God pointed his finger at you and said, I choose you. Not only did he choose you, but he adopted you as, as a child. Look down with me in verse number four. Uh, according to his hath chosen us in him before the foundation. Then verse five, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, According to himself, or by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Um, these, we, sometimes we use these words, election and predestination, and we kind of interchange them, okay? They are two absolutely different concepts. Election deals with everyone. I am elect to be saved, or by my choice and the fact that God knows what I was going to do, he has elected me, or he has allowed me in my own will not to be saved. Predestination, every time we find it in Scripture, only deals with Christians. You can't be predestinated unless you are first elected by the foreknowledge of God of the choices that you were going to make. And so predestination here is where God does say, hey, you know what? They're my child. I've elected them. Now here's what I'm going to do with them. 
And he lays out before you the great plan that he has for you. Here in verse number five, that plan is, he says, I want him to be my child. I don't want him just hanging around the house. I want him to be my child. Our kids have lots of friends that come and hang out. And Christy gets called mom by more than four people, all right? Because they just, it just hangs on them. And as Aiden goofs around or something like that and says, oh, just call her mom, other people will come in and they'll call, they'll call her mom. Why? Because hopefully that means they're comfortable in our place. Well, our God has chosen us. And then he didn't just say, hey, just, shoot, just come and I want you to be close to me. He said, no, I want you to be part of the family. I want you to have an intimate relationship here. We had a wonderful time this afternoon. Our kids are all, you know, 18 to 24, and we still hid Easter baskets. Madeline and Jake didn't come over, and so they, they said they'd be over at four after spending some time. And so we kept telling them the kids wanted to do something else. And they were whining and complaining, right, Aiden? All right, about not, about not being able to go. And we kept telling them, nope, the Easter bunny's not coming until four o'clock when they show up. And we ended up having a couple others that hung around too. And so we hid a whole bunch of baskets, you know, around the house and had that wonderful fun of telling them hot or cold and, you know, telling them, oh, we didn't hide it in the cat litter box, you know, because you get too much extra there. And uh, I mean, all kinds of different things, you know, we tried to have lots of fun with all of those kinds of things. But hey, I enjoy having all the extras around. I enjoy coming to church. And being with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, because if you know Christ is your Savior, you've been elected into his family, you've been adopted just like I have been. Continue on with me in verse number six. It says, God's grace causes acceptance. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The picture here is that you and I, in and of ourselves, when God looks at us, he says, I don't want that. I can't take that. It's not acceptable. But Jesus Christ said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me dress them in my righteousness. I'm going to put my finest white robes upon them. And God, you'll love what you see then. And that's what he does. He loves us. Back in before World War II, there were a vast number of British young ladies who heard through television and radio that America was the land of promise. And so they did everything they could to get over here to the United States. As I said, this was a few years before World War II. And they went through the British government to try to get their passports to get over to the United States. And when their intention, because there were so many of them that were applying all within a few weeks there, uh, the British government just started stamping denied, 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 denied on all of their passports. Wouldn't let them come over. They didn't want to give up that many of their young ladies. And so a couple hundred of those young ladies got together and hired a boat and they all hid on the boat and they were going to stow, what we stow away under deck and they were going to sail across the United States. Well, they got out into the harbor and as they got just a few miles out into the ocean, they ran into a, a patrol ship from Britain. They found out what was going on and sent them all back to England again. But then just a couple of years later, that thing called the Second World War happened and a bunch of American soldiers went over to train and to be stationed over in England. And when they did that, they just happened to fall in love with many of these same 
English young ladies who had been trying to get over to the United States. When they fell in love with them, they married them. And when the war, in the middle of the war and when it was safe, all those soldiers started telling their commanders, my wife is here in England. And the United States ended up sending a couple of what they called bride ships over to England. And all those same young ladies who had failed every other way to get to the United States loaded up on those ships and came back. And when they got to the United States, there was pomp and circumstance and red carpets and bands and all kinds of things. That right there is exactly what Jesus Christ has done to us. We try every way we can to get to God, and it's not good enough. But once we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, Jesus Christ as our bridegroom, no one will turn us down. And God says, come unto me. Continue on with me, if you would, please. Verse number uh, uh, 7. It says two things here in verse number 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so two things there, redemption and forgiveness. That idea of being bought back, of being uh, purchased again. Uh, you've all heard the story of the little boy. I'm sure, who, who uh, lived by the, the ocean. And every day he would watch as uh, driftwood would come in. And he found a nice block of driftwood, and he would use those to, to uh, craft boats. He would whittle them down and saw them down and create little boats. And as he was out, he, he, took one, he found one perfect chunk of wood, and he created a boat for it. And as he, he took it out to test drive, one of the waves took it out into the ocean. He never saw it again. Until about three months later, he was walking down to a little pawn shop and he looked in there and that was his boat. And he looked in, he, he said, that's my boat. He walked in, he said, mister, that boat's a beauty right there. I'd like that thing back. And the man told him how much it would cost. And he said, uh, he said well, I, but I, bought, I made that boat. You got to give it to me. He said, no, I paid money for that. And so you're going to have to come up with some money. And so the little boy went home and broke open his piggy bank. And uh, I don't know, in today's, maybe he got out his cell phone, you know, and uh, ch checked, checked his balance on, uh, on Venmo or something like that. But uh, he, he did it. And anyways, he didn't have enough. And dad walked in and he told dad the whole story. And dad handed him over the cash that he needed to go purchase that boat back. That's exactly what our Savior did. He bought us back. We weren't we had been out to sea, we had been crashed, we had been sold over to another master, and yet he bought us. And not only did he buy us, he forgave us, according to verse number 7. Then the Bible tells us uh, in verse number 8, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. I'm sorry, back up to the end of verse number 7, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us. You'll notice as you read through this passage, you find grace over and over and over and over again. What's the difference between mercy and grace? What is mercy? Anyone? What is mercy? God not giving us what we deserve. So what is grace when it is the opposite of that? Giving us what we don't deserve. Listen, that's what this whole passage is about. It's what God gives us that we do not deserve. We don't 
deserve to be chosen in him. We don't be, deserve to be adopted as, as his children. We don't, be, don't deserve for him to make us acceptable to God. We don't deserve redemption. We don't deserve forgiveness. Every one of those is a showing of the grace of God, the abundant grace of God in our life. Keep on going with me, if you would, please, down to, to verse number, um, let's see, let's go to the next one. Knowing and doing his will, verse number uh, 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. And then jump down with me to verse number, the middle of verse number 11, where it says, Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So in these verses 9 and 11 here, we see, first of all, in verse number 9, that God makes known unto us the mystery of his will. Can I tell you this? Having purpose is an amazing thing. Have you ever had a job where you went in and you didn't have a job description or your job description was vague? It is frustrating to do something like that. Maybe you've gone into school, uh, school in younger days or in college and stuff like that, and the teacher just wasn't clear on what they expected from you. I remember one of my college classes, I went in and I had no idea what the, t- what the teacher needed, wanted from us. I mean, it was just like, like begging them. They just, wanted, they just said, well, th- your syllabus there. I said, but I need a little more definition. Your syllabus, most of them are four, five, six pages long. Yours is like a half a page long. What do you want from us? That's not our God. Our God has a purpose for it. He's waiting for us to to ask him what it is. He has a purpose for us that we can accomplish. Part of that purpose is to come and worship him. That purpose is to share the gospel with people around us. But then each of you, as I look around, I see different ways that God has plugged you in here at First Baptist Church of Atoka and manifested, made open his will and the ways that you can be involved in the ministry here. What an amazing conglomeration of people we are we look around at each other and we say well you know what that one over there I kind of like and I'm not so sure about that one and I sure wish Pastor Weems was here preaching so Pastor Taylor wasn't up there right now and uh, maybe and you know what We, we pick and choose but our God chose every one of us and put us together so that we can function as his living organism here on earth so that we together can accomplish his will because you can accomplish some things that are part of God's will for you that I can't accomplish. But we take all the pieces and we work them together and God has great things in store. And then you go down to verse number 11. Not only does he reveal that will to us, but in verse number 11, it says, being predestinated according to the purpose of him that who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God prepared that, that predestination idea is now God chose you because you're his elect child. He said, now I've got a plan for you and it is so that you can know my will and so that you can accomplish the things and the, after the counsel of my will. I'll give them to you and don't hold back. God says, I've got that will for you. Go forward. Attack. Don't be, don't, don't, don't hold back and say, I don't know if I can do that. Jump right in. Say, Lord, I just, I just want to be a part of it. Whatever you say it is, I'll do. It may not be easy. It may not be simple, but I want to jump in. You understand that knowing and being able to participate in God's will is a blessing. And sometimes we twist that and we think, oh, you know what? It'd be better if I didn't have to do those things, if I could just do my own. God says, no, I have a purpose for you. And if you'll continue back on, we have an inheritance. Verse number 11, 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose. Our inheritance from Jesus Christ is to be a joint heir with him. We talked a little bit about that this morning, so we won't spend about a, t- a bunch of time in it. But that inheritance is for children. And God has laid it out there saying, you know what? Everything that I have, all of my riches, you are not a pauper. You have access to every bit of it. My grandfather was a plumber, worked in the, um, uh, G- or, I'm sorry, the Dodge factory up in Michigan. And uh, because he was a plumber, and uh, truth is, he had all kinds of tools that he would use, but GM didn't like him working. They actually paid him, I think I've told you this, they paid him to do crossword puzzles. Because if he was working, that means one of the lines on their factories was down, and they were paying 40 or 50 other guys to sit around while he fixed it. But my grandfather had every tool. They bought him everything he needed because they said, we want you to get in there, do it as fast as possible. We want you to get that back up and running so that all those other guys can get back to work. And my grandfather downstairs in his house, that he had, uh, you'd go down the stairs through this big living area, and then there were just these brick walls. And you went down this little brick corridor, and back in the back was my grandfather's workshop. And when I was a kid, we would go back in there, and my grandparents lived on either side of, of uh, they went, you went up an old country road, and on the two sides of the road were my mom's parents and my dad's parents. And so we get all the cousins together, and we go down to my grandpa's workshop, and we'd have to be careful, be nice and quiet so grandpa didn't know we were down there, all right, because he didn't want us using all those tools. But we'd go through all of his big bins of scrap wood and everything, and we'd, we'd very carefully undo the nails off, it, off of, he'd had them all in little baby jo- food jars, all twisted up on the shelves. We'd pull those down. We'd pull those scrap pieces of wood out, and we would make the most fabulous guns that you had ever seen. I mean, we'd pull these things out that were all crazy. We'd say, oh, that'd be a perfect scope, you know. And so we'd get, had to find another one that looked like a barrel and another one that looked like, you know, the side handle and another one that looked like a machine gun. And we'd put them all together and we'd be nailing on those and we'd pull the tools out and we'd grab them and, and we'd, we'd be putting those things all together. And for some reason, Grandpa always knew we'd used his tools and used his nails and used his scrap wood. Well, as my grandfather got older and wasn't able to use those anymore, he handed many of those tools down to my dad. I can still go back up to where my mom and dad are, and the church has a shop building. I can go out and look at a bunch of those tools, and I remember exactly where they were in my grandfather's shop. I've got a little tool chest, wooden tool chest about that tall. My great-grandfather was a machinist. And, uh, I mean, just all kinds of little calipers and little fine working tools that have been passed down to me. I enjoy using those tools. I'm grateful. I pick up one that I know that my grandfather had. And, I, and you just hold that, and, and it, gives you, it gives me a closeness to my grandfather when I'm using that. Hey, God's inheritance isn't for us just to stash away somewhere. He says, I want you to use that inheritance. I want you to live as a Christian who is, who is privileged to be the child of God, a part of the family. Do you live in the light of that inheritance or just with the knowledge that eventually that inheritance will come? No, God says, I want you to use that inheritance right now. 
And then I want you to see one last thing. The ability to adore Christ. The ability to adore Christ. Verse number 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom after that you, that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. And you've got that phrase, the praise of His glory, several times. But in verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory. Glory. Have you ever watched on television a heated sports game? The NBA season, I think today, maybe tomorrow is the last day of it. And the Memphis Grizzlies, they didn't play anybody today and they lost because they already know what their destination is. They know they've got the second seed in the, in the West and so they're, they're comfortable going into it. But they put on, I think it was last Thursday morning, they put on sale playoff tickets for the NBA games. And as they put on those the sale on those tickets, the price tag on them is a whole lot higher than it was during the regular season. You pull up and the nosebleed tickets were like $160. I'm like, oh my goodness. But I love to watch the games on television, especially important games like that. Because you'll end up with fans from both teams sitting side by side. And I mean, they will just be making fun of each other and doing everything they can to torture the person next to them. But you know what? There's always some fan that is decked out the most, has the biggest headdress on, you know, has the loudest voice, has the ugliest face and the most face paint and all that kind of stuff. And the camera finds them and shines in on them. Why does that camera shine in? Because they have decked themselves out as the ultimate fan. They want everybody to know that that's their team out there. Well, can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit gives you and I the ability to bring glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To, in essence, put on the uniform and be that greatest fan in everything that we do. And try, in all that we do, to point the glory back to Him. You see, the funny, funny thing about fans is that they don't have to be any good at whatever sport they're rooting for, all right? All they got to do is be loud. I mean, that's it. Just, just point them out. My team's the best. They scored this. They did this. Woohoo! Yeah, they don't have to be any good at sports. Honestly, a lot of times they don't even know what they're talking about, all right? And that's what makes them great to watch. Well, I hope that we know a little bit about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we pointing people to him? We have the privilege of doing that. All through this passage, the Bible uses that word according to the grace of God. God's bestowed upon us things that we are not worthy of. The treasure trove of God's blessings as you go through this week, don't look at what you don't have. But I want you, want myself, to thank the Lord for all that he has given to us that an unsaved person does not have, cannot partake of. We serve a God who loves us and gives us above and beyond anything we could ask or think. Let's all stand and we'll have a word of prayer. Father, I'm grateful for your goodness to us. My Lord, we're not worthy. And yet you have laid out to us, your children, 
the privilege of being a child, the privilege of seeing your grace bestowed upon us. So as we walk out the doors of this building and we face all that will happen this week, Lord, would we face it not as a pauper, but we are rich in the treasures of our great God. And Father, may we walk around enjoying the rich, richness of your goodness upon us. Father, would we share that richness with those around us. May they see our lives. And as we looked at that last point, Lord, may they see our lives and ask us, may our lives point everything to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your treasures that you've bestowed upon us, your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, none of these riches are yours to enjoy, but they can be. And I would encourage you, I'm going to take a step forward here. I'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you know him as your Savior, which I'm sure the vast majority of us do, as Brother Kevin comes and leads us in a verse or two of a song, I would encourage you right there just to bow your head and thank the Lord for his goodness to us. Every day of the year we ought to rejoice in the goodness of God, but the day of Easter, the day of his resurrection, we ought to thank him above and beyond normal. Look, Kevin, if you'd come. Number 597.